pray. Father, you've told us that after giving praise to you, the greatest prayer we can give is to intercede for others on their behalf. And so this morning we want to lift up our country. We pray for godly men and women who are in places of power and authority in politics and business, in education and wherever they are, Lord. Those who know Jesus Christ as Savior, now is not the time to be quiet about that. Now's the time to share the good news of Jesus Christ, whether you're in the halls of power in Washington, D.C., or here in Delaware Township, or in the halls of business. Now's the time for men and women who know Christ as Savior to stand up and share that truth and live that truth and conduct their business in that way. We pray, Father, for the nations of the world. We know that it seems like a very precarious period of time in history, but there have been others all preparatory to the, to the things that we learn in Revelation after the church has been raptured from this place. It's going to be awful, like nothing we've ever seen. We pray, Lord, you would prepare the hearts of those who are going to be raptured to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Those of us who know Jesus, we can't be quiet. We must share Christ. We thank you for these men who have come today, Lord and share Jesus with us and what Jesus has done in their life. And Lord, we may not have that same testimony, but you've done a lot in our life and you've changed us. We pray for the ministry of our congregation as we reach out to people around the county in our own way on the street corners, in our giving ministries, in our sharing ministry, in our ability to reach people beyond the walls of the meeting house on, uh, on YouTube, over the radio, over the telephone. We pray, Father, that folks who are listening might be blessed, and more importantly, if they don't know Jesus, that they would come to know him as Lord and Saviors and have their lives changed. Pray for those who need your healing touch physically, emotionally, and in every way, Lord. We pray for grace. Pray for my mom with her health and with her eye issues. Pray for Estelle with her health issues, for Jim and Nancy. Nancy's got fluid around her lungs this morning, Lord. We thank you that Joan is with us this morning, despite the fact that she's fallen and has a broken arm. Continue to lift up Brother George, and we pray for Lucy, and we thank you that she's with us this morning. Continue to minister to her heart. Be with Terry, Sal, Diane, and Marco. Pray for Dave this morning, our own Dave, who has leg pains. Uh, we pray, Father, that you would touch him at the point of his need. Butch and Linda, we pray for them this morning. Pray for Ernie down in South Jersey with his serious health issues, and we pray, Lord, for healing. We pray for Jane's sister Lois and her health issues, for Brother James and his job search, for Aurora with her health issues, for Doris with a heart condition, salvation for Linda's family in Ringo's, New Jersey, unspoken for Sherry, Tracy's mom. We thank you that Dave is with us this morning. We pray for Albert with COVID, Betty with a broken arm. We thank you that she's here with us this morning. Pray for the young woman who has an eating disorder and the young man who has had a breakdown from drug use. We pray for Florida victims of the hurricane. We pray for people who need this morning, people who are hurting, people who are emotionally distressed, for people who want to give up believing there's no hope, but you've made promises to us. You've promised there is hope, there is help, there is a way out. And there's a way into your love. And we pray this morning that you administer to folks who have those needs. Everybody comes here with baggage. And so we pray, Lord, that we would 
take our heavy load, our burden, and give it to Jesus this morning. We thank you for the promises that you've made to us through your word and the promises that you've kept. In Jesus' name, amen. It's a very sad truth and a very sad reality that people lie to us. We don't know who to believe. We don't know who to trust. It's times like this when the believer can get closer to Jesus because guess what? God doesn't lie. And God makes promises and God keeps those promises. That's what I want to share with you this morning. There are 31,173 verses in the Bible. Of those, 7,487 are God's promises. That's a lot. That's a lot of God's promises, and those promises encompass and touch so many areas of your life. As you have a need, and as you go through the circumstances and the ups and downs and the twists and turns of life, God has something for you. I'm going to share 15 promises that God will make for you. I wrote them out by hand. I didn't have a chance to give them to anybody to type up, but I will say this. If you would like those 15 verses, I'll make a copy of something I call Bob Print. You know, one of those things that they don't have in IBM or those places. But if you can read it, you can have it. Hebrews 10, 23. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering. For he is faithful who promised. You don't have to get wishy-washy about this thing. God's made promises and you can count on God to keep those promises. Amen. He's not going to draw back. Hebrews 6, 18 says that God makes those promises and he can be trusted by what it says are two immutable things. That word immutable means unchanging. God is unchanging. Life changes. People change. Circumstances change. Our problems change. Everything changes. But there's one thing that doesn't change. It's God and his word. It never changes. God, in verse 17 of Hebrews 6, says that God has given us an oath. He's made a pledge. Not only did he make that pledge, but then he put it in writing. Now, since it doesn't change, we can tell if he's telling us the truth or not. Because it's in this book. And this book has been like this for thousands of years. So God made a pledge, and God made a promise in verse 18. You may remember, I don't know if you were around back then, but Queen Victoria was a great queen of England, ran the world for all intents and purposes. She got the first prime minister of England appointed. He was a Jewish Christian. His name was Benjamin Disraeli. And she asked him this question. You know the Bible so well. I love the Bible. But is there something that validates the Bible, that proves the Bible beyond a shadow of a doubt? And you know what he said to her? Yeah, there is. The Jew. If you look at the Jewish people and you look at the Bible, you can see their whole story, their whole history laid out. And you can see how God has dealt with them. And you can see how God has made promises to the Jewish people that he has kept. And the Bible tells us the same God who made those promises is the God who makes promises to us. God who spoke those promises to Israel and to the Jewish people put them in a book. And that book is available to us. What promises did God make to Israel? And then I want to share the promises that God will make to you. The most dramatic and glaring proof that God keeps his promises 
is to be found examining the promises he made to Israel and the Jewish people. 4,000 years ago, God promised the Jewish people a whole land. They have none. History says they were homeless. Homeless, I heard that, somebody was homeless. Well, the Jewish people were homeless. In Genesis 12, 1, God said this, the Lord said, Abram, get out of the country and go where your kindred and, follow, and from your fathers and go into a land that I will show you. Leave your security. Go where I tell you. I'll map it out as you go along. And then he said, I can get you a good GPS. Cheap. No, he didn't say that. He just said, I'll be your GPS. I'll be your, I'll be your, your guiding angel. And we'll, and we'll get you where you have to go. Jeremiah 7, 7. Then will I come to dwell in the, then you will come to dwell in the place that I, the Lord, have given you and your fathers. And you'll dwell there forever. Deuteronomy 4, 26 to 28. God warned them if they turned from their faith in Jehovah to faith in pagan gods, they would be scattered throughout the world and their population would be diminished to a tiny number. The Jewish people represent less than 2% of the world's population. And for 1,000, 2,000 years, they roamed the planet. They were homeless again because they walked away from God. They're kind of a, uh, a picture of us. They're a picture of what can happen to us, the good things that can happen to us and the things that are negative that can happen to us. And we can look and we can learn from them. Deuteronomy 28, 15 to 46, it says, during the time that they were in the diaspora, spread from all parts of the world, God said, you're going to be cursed. You're going to be hated. People aren't going to want to know you. They're going to want to enslave you. They're going to do everything they can to kill you off. They want to wipe you out. This is still going on. But God made a promise in Isaiah 27, 12 that he would eventually gather them back together again. God said, I am going to take you one day when the timing is absolutely perfect. I'm going to take you from all the different places that you have wandered to and you thought you would find safety. You thought you would find accommodation and all you found was persecution. I am one day going to take you, when the timing is perfect, when the timing is right, I'm going to take you from all those disparate places and I'm going to gather you back to the land that I promised and the land that I gave you and the land that you lost. Volumes have been written in an attempt to explain how a loving God could have allowed the Holocaust. But for most historians, one thing is certain, that without that slaughter, the state of Israel would not exist today because it was the event that awakened Jews around the world to their need for the safety and security of their own homeland. And they started looking back on the promises that God made. And they said, we're going to claim those promises. They hadn't up until this point. They thought they were okay in all these different countries and they could take a little, uh, uh, a little persecution from now and then. They, 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 they got through so many persecutions from the Spanish and whatnot. Fulfilling a promise God made, Joseph, Genesis 50, 20, listen to what God said to Joseph. But as for you, you thought evil against me, but God meant it for your good to bring to pass this day to save much people. So when all the bad stuff was going on and the Jewish people were wondering, where is God? God was at work. He was preparing the land for them. He was preparing the mindset of other nations because Israel could not be reborn without the blessing of other nations. And God said, you know, when this finally does happen, the nation's going to be reborn in one day. The nation's going to be reborn after thousands of years roaming the planet. 
after always being accepted and always being rejected and always being turned away on May 15, 1948 in Tel Aviv, David Ben-Gurion as its first prime minister proclaimed the birth of the sovereign state of Israel. Not too many people were happy about that. Our own country didn't want to take the Jewish people in. One of the greatest progressive presidents who ever lived, Franklin Roosevelt, turned them away. It wasn't until he, was, until he died and Harry Truman came along that his ears were open. Egypt's King Farouk said about this new nation, I cannot and will not tolerate a, a Zionist state in the Middle East. I'm going to fight against it, he said. This is not going to happen. To any intelligent observer, it was obvious that the Arabs would make short work of the undermanned and under-equipped Jews. If Israel was to survive, it would take a miracle to save her. All their neighbors decided to come against them. But remember now, God made a promise. He promised he would take them back from all the places in the world where they had gone for safety, and he was going to bring them back to a certain specific detailed place called their homeland, their promised land. Just the phrase, promised land. So God wasn't going to lie, and they believed. May 15, 1948, Britain left Palestine, which they had occupied. Five Arab nations prepared to invade tiny Israel. There are 6,000 Jews to the Arab population of 50 million. 600,000 to 50 million. But here's an amazing promise. In Joshua 23.10, listen to what God said. One man of you shall chase a thousand. For the Lord your God, he it is that fights for you as he has, underline the word in your mind, promised you. Doesn't look like very good odds. 600,000 to how many? 50 million? In May, 15, in May 1948, five Arab nations begin their attack. It, Egypt was responsible for the military air force. Saudi Arabia, Transjordan, Syria, and Iraq provided tanks, weapons, and soldiers. Israel has some rifles, some machine guns, no tanks. No tanks. In Brooklyn, that means no thanks. No tanks. No professional soldiers. I got to check to see if you're all breathing. Man, I got to check it out. I don't know. Stretch it out. No professional soldiers, four pilots, four small planes. That's it. 50 million, 600,000, hundreds of thousands in the military, and this is what they got. As the 10,000-man Egyptian army begins its march forward, the floor, four planes launch a surprise attack. Four planes. The Egyptians are stunned. They didn't think the Jews had planes, so they were so surprised they were stopped cold and turned back, believing that the four planes were just the first of a mighty air force. This is all there is, bro. There's only four of us. Keep running, man. <laughs> Two of the pilots broke off in search of the biggest army of troops, Iraq. That army stopped cold. Deuteronomy 28:37, Thou shalt become an astonishment, a proverb, and by word among all nations, whither the Lord shall send him. It's amazing. It's a miraculous story. Mir uh, military leaders often share what the Israelis did. 
in an amazing way. If God's promises to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob regarding the land are not true, then the Bible is not true. In anything else it says, we either accept the whole truth of God's word or we reject the whole word, truth of God's word. I take it from Genesis to, Evol to Revelation and everything in between. If you don't believe Genesis chapter one, you won't believe the last chapter of Revelation. This is the book. This is real. This is the truth. If you say there is no truth in the world, you're right. In the world there isn't, but in this book it's all true. We don't change it. We don't add from it. We don't subtract it. We don't do any of those things. We just read and believe, put our faith and trust in God's Word. We don't turn left. We don't turn right. We keep going forward with what God tells us to do. God said it. That settles it, whether I believe it or not. Amen? Amen. Can we tackle life's problems by trusting God's promises? Short answer, God never gives his children a promise which he does not intend them to use. Think about it. God never gives you a promise he does not intend you to use. He intends you to claim his promises. Let me share 15 and then we'll close. You think it's you. Here's what, here's what we think and here's what God promises. Okay, let's put one against the other. You think it's impossible. Luke 18, 27 says, all things are possible with God. You say, I'm too tired. And God says in Matthew 11, 28 to 30, I will give you rest. You say, nobody really loves me. And Jesus says in John 3, 16 and John 13, 34, I love you. You say, I can't go on. God says, my grace is sufficient for you. I'll give you my strength in 2 Corinthians 12, 9. You say, I can't figure things out. And God says in Proverbs chapter 3, I will direct your steps. You say, I can't do it. <laughs> and God says, you can do all things through Christ. Who are you going to believe, yourself or God? You say, I'm not able. And Jesus said, I am able. You say, it's not worth it. And God says, it will be worth it all. You say, I can't forgive myself. And Jesus says in 1 John 1, 9 and Romans 8, 1, I forgive you. Who are you going to believe? The devil? Your own insecurity? Your past? Your guilt? Your shame? Or are you going to believe Jesus? I can't manage. Philippians 4, 19, God promises, I will supply all your needs. You say, I'm afraid. I'm always worried. And God says in 2 Timothy 1.7, I have not given you a spirit of fear. Who are you going to believe? Your fears? Your imagination? Dark places? All the things that have gone on in your life? Who are you going to believe? Let's believe Jesus. I don't have enough faith. Romans 12.3, I've given you a full measure of faith. You say, I'm not smart enough. 1 Corinthians 1.30 says, I will give you wisdom. And you say, I feel alone. And God says, and God promises, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. What's, how long is never? <laughs> not just the last time you felt good and you had a good piece of meat in your stomach. 
But he says, never when you're down and out, laying on a, I saw a young man when I was out in Pennsylvania, revival meeting this week, laying beside the toilet in a, uh, in a 7-Eleven type of place, just laying there. And I knocked on the door and I said, are you okay? Leave me alone, man. But are you okay? I don't want to be bothered. Just leave me here. I said, God bless you. God help you. I'll pray for you. It was amazing. What, is it, what, what does it take to get somebody to get into that situation? How alone do you have to feel? How desperate do you have to feel? How disgusted with yourself do you have to feel? How low, do you, how low can you go? You can go so low, but no matter how low you go, no matter how bad you feel, you can trust Jesus. You can trust him to keep your promises, and he's made so many promises to you. If you count them, if you name them, if you claim them, and if you live them, God will prove himself to you. Amen? Amen. Let's pray your blessing upon all of those here this morning, those who have heard. Help us not just to hear, but help us to believe. The next step after believing is action. Help us, Father, to claim your word, claim your promises. Don't doubt you, trust you, because if there's anybody we can trust in this universe, it's you. So help us give ourselves completely over to you this morning in trust. Thank you, God, for touching the lives of these men and touching the lives of the rest of us. We know, Lord, that we, would, we wouldn't know what to do without you. We wouldn't know what to do when life's crushes come on us and the circumstances turn against us. We wouldn't know what to do without Jesus. We're so grateful that you are our God. We love you, and we pray your blessing upon us that we might share that love with others. Now bless the food that we will enjoy together. Help us to do so in the spirit of a family. In Jesus' name, amen.